0: My guest today is Karen Kilroy she is the founder of Kilroy Blockchain. She's also an O'Reilly media author. You are the first guest I'm recording on my new podcast CC life Science. So welcome
1: Thank you thank you very much for having me Chris
0: You do research into blockchain and we're going to talk about what that is but what does it mean to do r&;D into blockchain?
1: Well, we've done a lot of different prototypes. Um, We build uh, workflow systems out of uh, software like Node.js type tools. So it's all web-based, cloud-based workflow, multi-user workflow systems. And then we integrate blockchain in with those at certain touch points where it makes sense.
0: So let's describe blockchain. Let me take a shot at it. Tell me if I get it wrong. And then we're gonna talk about how companies might use it sure aside from the whole cryptocurrency thing which we might only talk about as an example or to explain something else but it has many more uses than you know mining bitcoin or whatever so a blockchain is a distributed open ledger where transactions are recorded on multiple computers and are verified And once they're verified, then they can be spread throughout the network. So everybody agrees on what the transaction was and they're encrypted. This is the cryptography part by turning the contents of that transaction or group of transactions into a hash, which is a long alphanumeric, which is unique to that content. And you can't re-engineer the content from the hash. So if anybody changes the content in that block which is added to the ledger the hash changes and everything beyond it changes so you know that it has been tampered with which is really the point
1: that was a really good explanation <laughs> you're hired <laughs> <laughs> thank you that was wonderful that was a great explanation that's exactly how it works
0: and then there's governance on top of you can have within that company one, known identities of all the people and their permissions, and then a governance, a way of people deciding how it's going to be used, what's recorded, and so on, as opposed to maybe the a wide-open blockchain where people are more anonymous, supposedly, and completely decentralized, which I have questions about also.
1: Yes. Yes. So that's it. That was exactly it. Um, it's, you know, like I said, my background is it and, uh, we usually don't just build systems that are open to everybody because things happen like the things that have happened on the World Wide web. And, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a free for all, you know, at first it's fun until somebody gets hurt
0: (laughs) Yeah. and, uh,
1: you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, there were a lot of people afraid of it all the way from the beginning. But um, you know, they they uh, uh a lot of people were right, you know, it did move too fast with too little controls and, and everything did get so they you know, you have your identity stolen and stuff, you know. But uh there's things that can be done, uh especially now that we we've learned so many lessons, you know, we're what twenty six years into the world wide web. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not dummies anymore. We know how to do these things. And, uh, and for something like, um, you know, the next level where we're, where we're talking about, uh, I mean, I keep coming back to AI, but that's kind of the biggest thing that we need to worry about governing right now, because there's no governance on it and it drives everything. It drives, uh, you know, all the, all the talk you hear about autonomous vehicles and drones and uh, you know, robotics, there's all of that uses AI and, uh, and there's, uh, guidelines for these, uh, uh, industries that they come up with, but there's no laws or or rules much that, that control them. And, uh, the more we understand the basis of what's behind it, the better off we're going to be overall and blockchain can keep that understanding in check. So, you know, it's, really one of the best uses I see moving forward. And you know, it sounds a little like, well, maybe everybody doesn't use AI, but I'd I'd follow that with the word yet. And uh, in the meantime, uh, blockchain can help make all these different workflow systems be AI ready. So you know already that your data is tamper evident. You don't have to do that step before you introduce that data uh, set somewhere else.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm starting, I'm beginning to realize, you know, how much we use AI and trying to think of who doesn't use it. I wrote a newsletter a week or two ago, and as I was writing it, thinking about AI, uh, funny story, I used some, I, I realized how much we're already using, you know, YouTube recommendation engines is a simple thing. Um I actually wrote part of the article using an AI software where I gave it a topic. It gave me an outline. I chose which parts I thought I did want to talk about and didn't. Threw those out. I actually took one whole sentence out of the thing it wrote for me, which was all pretty good. I mean, I only took the parts I felt confident were accurate. The rest I didn't think was inaccurate or inaccurate, but I did I couldn't say one way or the other. So I said, I'm not going to use that. But there's a risk there, right? I could have just published what it gave me.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a big risk. Right? Um, (laughs) It's a big risk. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And all I'm using it for is to get me thinking and go, oh, here's an outline. Here's the topics I do want to talk about. Then I'll write what I want. And it didn't sound like me. It was perfectly good.
1: Yeah. Didn't sound like you. Stunningly good grammar
0: and everything. But I go, that's not how I would say it. So. Um so it was helpful to just get me going but in the end it's not what I want to use but it gives me kind of a way to think about it. Um where was I going with that? Here's the thing we talked about like yeah forgetting where we were going with things. Um and how much we all use AI and so um you know a lot of people are excited about blockchain they think it's the future of the world and then you know I'm looking at it right now from my novice perspective is I can see in your cases, you know, very specific cases that are usable right now and valuable and other cases that are dangerous. Right. I'm learning about people whose crypto wallets are being emptied because they didn't know they engaged with a smart contract that said, give me all your money basically. Oh my gosh. And, um, which isn't to say that there won't be okay uses on the bigger scale, but I don't know yet. I've com- I I tend to believe things will sort out eventually, but not without some pain, right? So you've mentioned smart contracts a couple of times. That's the other thing I want to come back to. So explain a smart contract, and then let's go to some examples of those, and we'll just take supply chain, for example, because that's really the direction we were headed in the beginning here that I wanted to get people to.
1: Okay. Well, a smart contract is like a, um, a living version of a, of a contract that you would, you know, write out with somebody and then throw it in the drawer. And, uh, the difference is, is there's actually going to be, um, uh, things that happen or don't happen based on the, the things that are written in that contract. And, um, you could, there's a few different levels when you're talking about blockchain, uh, and workflow systems. There's the, there's the actual level of actually committing, uh, a, uh, committing a block to the chain and a consensus that goes around and, and a smart contract associated with that. And that's kind of not the level that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the higher level of the workflow abstraction. Uh, that's what I personally specialize in. And, and that's what we would see if we were uh, using a smart contract. So for instance, um, let's say, um, let's say for instance, we are uh, working on a, um, let's just do something really simple. You're developing some marketing pieces for me and, uh, and I'm going to pay you when they're finished. And we've decided ahead of time, exactly how that works. Um, you know, what happens if you don't finish because I don't get back to you? You know, all those little conditions, things that can happen are all in that smart contract. And then we then we do this workflow through a system. Right. And it keeps it knows what our contract is. And so it won't let certain things happen like payment to be made to you unless I have, uh, uh you know, unless I've approved it. But, you know, maybe there's conditions in there saying you get partial payment if I drugged my feet for 14 days or, you know, something like that. So, you know, all those types of things can be built in and, and they can be integrated with uh, systems. So maybe you know, we're big companies instead of, of smaller companies, and maybe it's a purchase order system that will automatically kick out your, uh, your payment once all the conditions have been met.
0: Right. So you can imagine in supply chain, for example, automated payments when things show up, automated requests or orders that are made when inventories get to a certain point. Maybe that already happens in some other system. Um, But things like um, validating supply in the supply chain. So you had an example, I think, in your article of Honey. I don't think a lot of people know how what a big business counterfeiting honey is
1: counterfeiting but. is a big business overall and that's another great application for blockchain i'm glad you brought up the honey um there's something called a crypto anchor that you can uh you can record on the blockchain at the beginning of the uh life cycle of of shipment and in something like honey you can actually Go in with a microscope and and take a a, a a scientific image of what that honey is and and record it on blockchain and then the person who receives the honey and accepts it and decides to sell it as whatever brand of honey it is um, they can take that same test and make sure that that crypto anchor matches up with what's on the blockchain. It's really pretty amazing and and blockchain again. You know, you could do that with a database, but what blockchain does is makes it tamper evident and it also makes it so multiple people have a uh, a copy of what's going on. So one person couldn't change one database because there's multiple copies of the information.
0: Yeah, that's a key point of the distributed ledger is like once everything's been agreed to, then you can't just change one, one entry. Um Mm -hmm. Fun fact for people who don't know, um, I learned this when I worked for Thermo Fisher Scientific. They make these super high-end mass spectrometers and um, honey is often counterfeited with high fructose corn syrup. But the way plants like corn make sugar and the way flowers and bees make sugar are different. And they can tell the difference in the carbon, the way the carbon atoms Are in the in the sugar that you get, and so they that's how they track counterfeit honey. But apparently, it's a you know it gets diluted and diluted and so on over time. And you know I'm not a big honey consumer, but for people who grow and make honey, it's a big deal.
1: Yeah, so you could you could track exactly where that honey came from. You could also add uh, IoT sensors along the way to make sure that the honey had been Kept at the proper climate for the entire shipment if that was a a factor that mattered. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: That's another thing in the life science and the pharma industry.
1: Mm -hmm. Cold chain
0: is a big part of it. So having those sensors be hooked into a blockchain um, rather than something else where you have to read out manually at the end. was this thing cold through its entire shipment. You
1: know, yeah. Make that
0: simpler to know that.
1: And what happens if it isn't? See, then there's your smart contract in place. Right. You know, what happens if it isn't?
0: Yeah. So we talked a little bit about smart contracts. Um, we talked about counterfeit honey, for example, but let's talk about compliance, for example. In your article, was, you were talking about how You know, companies make contracts and they get stuck in a drawer and then people do business the way they do business. And from a compliance point of view, I was just talking to Tom Fox on my other podcast. There's a risk there that, you know, people can break rules and get in big trouble without being aware of it. And by putting your smart contracts into the blockchain, things happen automatically. So you minimize that risk, right?
1: Yeah and and I thought that would be a really good application uh a really good way for governmental agencies to start to interact with private enterprise uh through implementing uh their policies and and um and expectations of of businesses on blockchain. Uh I know someone that worked for the Department of Labor and uh he told me that the manual for a business like mine to follow is about this thick and he said nobody knows that stuff and typically what they'll do is they'll wait until you mess up and then they'll you know give you a a warning and explain it to you and if you keep messing up then they know that you're doing it on purpose but there's no way uh that someone could know without a legal team sorting through this and making it into this you know what you're even supposed to do in terms of compliance With a lot of different uh, labor issues, for instance, and so what uh, someone like the Department of Labor could do is they could set up uh, smart contracts almost as a utility, and and here's you know here's what we expect of you, here's how you report to us, and you know if you don't do things in this certain way, then the transaction won't complete. You know, so it makes you uh, not only be aware of being compliant, it kind of guides you along and and pushes you that direction
0: right i like that and then the other example you had for a smart contract which i think is relevant um and sort of relevant to the honey case but food safety yeah you had inspections of food um and you had a recall on a batch of lettuce for example that would make it uh, less expensive for everybody involved because you could identify the exact uh thing right the the source of any contamination and not everybody would just have to say oh we got to pull everything because it could have been us
1: yes and that's actually a real life food, uh a use case uh that was done um with uh, ibm and walmart uh in a very uh well known to the blockchain world a very known well known enterprise use case uh where walmart had the um the issue of foodborne um illness outbreaks that would um it it would for instance in mangoes right and and it would take them weeks to try to source where the mango came from that made somebody sick and so what they would have to do is they just have to throw out everything and now Uh, With with they use blockchain for this now they can trace the source of the mangoes within um, a few a day at the most. And so uh, they can um, uh, track everything down and get rid of everything uh, right away.
0: Right. So I can imagine in life science broadly, something like that could be very valuable as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It keeps it from having to throw, uh, you know, the good stuff out with the bad stuff.
0: So I'm curious about the mechanics of, in the supply chain, for example, how many people and what does it look like when whatever product you're talking about is moving from the producer to a transporter to recipient and probably gets touched by several other people I'm not even aware of. How much work are we adding to put each of those transactions into the blockchain? And what is What does it look like to do that? Does someone have an iPad and some access to a simple form that just says "Got it" and it goes?
1: That's kind of the equivalent. Now, you know, if you think about your question and then think about industries, think about all of the different industries out there. One of the biggest regulated industries uh, in the world, if uh, it might be the biggest regulated industry, if not like one of the top two or three, is fishing. And with fishing. Imagine where all this supply chain stuff happens, you know, it could be in a little shack somewhere next to the ocean. They're doing things on clipboards and they're faxing them. You know, so right now we've got people who are industries that are way behind in what you and I would think of as a modern technology or a modern workflow. So the first step is to modernize the workflow. And then as you modernize the workflow and put it into systems, so instead of writing something on a clipboard and, and then faxing it, um, you're, uh, or, or maybe a telex, who knows what they're still doing, <laughs> but um, you, you would instead give this uh, you know, the people in the shack the iPad and they would have the ability to fill out a form just like we're used to doing on any website. Uh, fill out the form and they don't even realize everything's going on to blockchain because it's behind the scenes for them they just go wow now this is on the computer Um, so for more sophisticated places that already have systems you would you would want to uh, analyze the systems that they have and get the group to identify get the stakeholders to identify what are the critical touch points what needs to go on blockchain so to help our group trust one another better than we do right now and so uh so then you would do integrations uh with those systems and integrate the blockchain touch points into uh the various systems that they're all using
0: right my favorite part of that whole answer is it's invisible <laughs> to the user right you know, you get yes on whatever device you have you fill out the form and You don't need to know anything about blockchain, except that that's where it's going. Just like you don't need to know anything about how the internet works to do almost anything you're currently doing. Yes. So that's nice. So um, talk a little bit, I mean, this is sort of um, kind of a key selling point of blockchain and all the things around it is this idea of decentralization because the data exists in multiple places. Mm -hmm. In your article on O'Reilly Media, um, you talked about siloed organizations or different partnerships have this tendency to want to own and kind of protect their data. And yet it can be an advantage if people were more open about sharing their data. So talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, data is power. And data is also money now. You know, right. data is king. Uh, you know, even these these apps where, you know, you see people riding scooters around, you know, what in the world are they thinking? Well, it's the data. You know, everything is all about data. So, you know, going way back, you have siloed data and departments that won't talk to each other and departments that won't work to each other, because work with each other because that takes away their power and there's no new advantage to it. Uh, so what you can do uh, with uh, blockchain systems is you can you can anonymize the data in such a way where you can share it with the larger groups for the greater good without giving away all your secrets.
0: Okay. Do you have an example of that? Help me picture what that looks like, even within a company. Um, somebody says.
1: Sure. Uh, let's say, uh, you know, in the case of the uh, the foodborne uh illness outbreak. Uh, there might be a need to recall immediately a whole bunch of 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 stuff. And maybe uh the the uh, company that had the outbreak doesn't want everybody to know where who its suppliers are, but they want them to know that this is going on and you need to check your own. And here's our quantities, and here's what's happening, here's the trends. And they can make it so uh so those other involved stakeholders can see that information without knowing their company secrets.
0: Got it. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. So you can figure out like okay, this is the these are the packages of lettuce you need to take care of, but we don't need to tell you everything about you know where we get all our lettuce from, you know, for competitive reasons, for example.
1: Yeah. It's like here's what you need to know. Here's how you can prove it based on the blockchain data, and uh, but we're not going to tell you all the secrets.
0: Okay, so within within a corporation deploying blockchain for whatever application, the previous example of being able to share data for whatever reason, the food recall, is useful. But the bigger picture of decentralization. Um, and distributed autonomous organizations isn't what we're talking about here at all, right?
1: No, no. And I don't come from that background and I don't consider myself an expert in that. My background is the, you know, where are we coming from now and what can we do to help um, IT departments uh, make the curve into a, a better way of doing business with one another, given the tools that are available now and the massive conversion of technology that's taking place.
0: Nice. So we're going to come back to that because that's sort of my last question. But in in your um, article, you also mentioned, because we, we've talked now a little bit about smart contracts and workflows, mm-hmm. talk about the cake analogy of ways <laughs> to implement blockchain on workflows that a company might identify where it could be useful.
1: Um. Sure like you have um in the cake analogy and you're referring to uh from my o'reilly media report called blockchain as a service which by the way is free uh if people go on and uh create a trial o'reilly media account they can read that one uh and uh anyway the um what i say about uh blockchain is that there's there's different ways that you can do it like you can you can build everything from the ground up yourself and uh, you can get uh, like something like HyperLedger Fabric or Ethereum and you can use those things for free and you can start to build your project and anybody can do it. And uh, and in that case, you're going to need to do all your own upgrades. You're going to need to watch for security holes. Um, there's really a lot of, of work. I kind of compare it to... You know for engineers out there it's it's comp- comparable to setting up an email server. There's a lot of maintenance, and you're gonna have to maintain it forever and you're gonna have to learn what you're doing and uh and so that's like uh what I would call like baking a cake from scratch where you've you've rounded up all your ingredients and now here you go um if you are uh doing what I would call baking um from a cake mix. You would you would uh, contact your uh, vendors, like maybe Kilroy Blockchain, maybe it's Oracle or IBM, and you'd say, I would like your blockchain as a service. And in that case, you've got someone like uh, Oracle's genius, Todd Little, uh, who's the head of blockchain, figuring out what are all the potential vulnerabilities of, of Hyperledger Fabric and how can we tool this so it's best for for customers so you can just pop this up not worry about it uh you you know they help you with your security uh and then they'll do all your upgrades for you so you never have to worry about the underlying blockchain code and so that's that's like a traditional what i would call blockchain as a service and then the third the third way to do it is to just get an application like kilroy blockchains casey that already has blockchain integrated with it and, and start to learn that way about blockchain and see, okay, here's what blockchain does. Here's what we can do with it. And, uh, we can add different users, different nodes to it and, uh, and expand that way. And so that would be equivalent to just going to the store and buying a cake that's already got everything in it that you want. Got it.
0: Yeah. And the middle case, yeah, as you said, so there's, by making a cake from scratch, so you're going to build the entire system. Second is you're going to buy a cake mix where you're letting a company like yours or Oracle sort of, you're plugging into their system, sounds like, in some mm-hmm. way for your workflows. And then there's, oh, here's a complete application already made for a specific purpose. I'm buying that cake and I'm going to use it is like any other application you might use, but a way to get comfortable and understand sort of what it's doing for you.
1: And that cake you're buying, it may may be a really big fancy cake. It may have all kinds of layers like IBM Food Trusts, where you're you're not just uh and there's a lot of those types of organizations. It's like you're you're not just getting software, you're joining a network. And that network might even vet you. And make sure that you are who they want.
0: Okay. So talk about, um, yeah, the path to widespread adoption. I mean, I, you, we sort of mentioned this just a minute ago, but how does a company, what are the steps it might take to get comfortable with the idea of using blockchain, Blockchain testing how it's useful, where it, what it can do for them, and so on?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, companies need to start by learning, like I said, to trust it and adding it into their uh, into their systems. And as an audit trail is a great first way to do it. You know, it's a way to look and say, okay, yeah, what happened on what day? And can we make sure that this uh, data hasn't been tampered with? And that's like an easy, relatively easy first way to start with blockchain. There's an auditor that has a need to go through things. Uh, the auditor may be at a separate company. It may be beneficial to give that auditing entity their own blockchain node so they start to understand. But what the approach that we're taking is we make a multi-user system where all the, all the stakeholders can log in. They get different permissions based on who they are. And anyone there can look to see that the data has not been tampered with because there is a hash of it on blockchain and there's a symbol that will break if that blockchain verification uh, isn't available. As they become more sophisticated, they might show that to their IT department. The IT department say, you know, we've been wanting to learn about blockchain. How do we take this to the next level? Uh, we'd like to have our own node. So we can really get to know how it works.
0: That's a perfect uh, segue to my the question I wanted to ask, which is like, does do you need to have someone within your company already who understands blockchain at a pretty good level? Or would buying a cake or a cake mix, in your previous analogy, be sufficient uh, for your IT department in some way to say, okay, I can see what's going on here and then educate whoever it is on what kind of skill set we need to hire for the longer term if we want to do more.
1: Yeah, that's, I I would say buying the the cake mix would be, you know, which is uh, either buying software like Casey or joining a network that uh, is an enterprise level blockchain network that does some purpose that you want, um, that would eliminate the need for you to have to have someone on your staff that understood it. It would be very similar to um, to uh, working on a, um, a cloud software that you sign up for and you don't have to know how it's been built. More important than having a software engineer working on it would be having uh, your legal department involved in it and your decision makers for your company and uh, everyone that will be involved going forward in in uh and directing how that system will operate um blockchain is one of the few things where you can't really throw it over the wall to an it department and say here do this after it's not exciting anymore and you know the, hey we've had our meetings we we've, we've done our rah rah we've made our announcement it, that's when it starts with blockchain not when you can throw it over as a maintenance item because of uh, IT folks are not going to have any idea what to do about smart contracts and things like that. They might not even know who to tell if they see a problem, and so it's it's uh, something that you're once you commit to it, you start. You need to start building the group and say, okay, you legal department, what's your benefit? Auditing group, what's your benefit? And start to bring all your stakeholders in, and and that's why we think it's a good idea to give everybody a login. And let them start to learn because they're who's going to tell you how this is going to work best.
0: Got it. And backing up to the sort of the cake mix scenario where I'm buying into a service or I guess maybe it's even the cake and I'm getting on a network. That doesn't mean that all my data is visible to everybody else on the network, right? Or is it?
1: No, not unless that's the way the system is architected. Uh, and those types of things are going to be, um, should be made note, made known to you when you join the group. Yeah. There, here's how this works. Here's what we do when we put this in. Yes. See so-and-so can see it. Here's how we make decisions moving forward. Here's how our governance for the system is going to work. Here's your role in that governance. So you should be 100% comfortable when you join a blockchain network that your data is, is private or, or is only shared with who it's supposed to be shared with. Um, in the case of something like Casey, uh, we set up your own instance. Your data is completely private. Hyperledger Fabric isn't a, a public blockchain, and that's what we primarily use. Uh, the, the, the ones that I've mentioned that I'm the most familiar with are like Oracle Blockchain. IBM blockchain, and those are both based on on Hyperledger fabric and they're also permissioned. Uh, You don't leave it open to everybody unless that's what you're trying to do.
0: Right. So those are applications, for example, but you know, my company gets an instance of those, so that's the first level permission is, are you part of this? And then within that company, you guys can look at this, you guys can look at that. Some things everybody can look at, something like that. So it's Mm -hmm. got it. That was very helpful. Thank you so much for talking to me.
1: Okay, sure. You're welcome.